On this episode, we discuss Google having a major outage, Cuphead being available on Teslas, we say bye to a classic messenger, and sadly, Chris ain't dressing as Slave Leia anytime soon. Plus, we'll also get confused about tvOS and controller support. This and more in this week's show. I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gonna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Welcome to episode 289 of the official GunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that Chris Farrell is here with me this week. Happy birthday, McLovin. Happy birthday. Uh, is it McLovin's birthday? I didn't realize it's, that. It's McLovin's birthday, is what Twitter told me. It's McLovin's, what, 38th birthday? Uh, well, happy birthday to McLovin. And you know who is not here this week because he is off celebrating McLovin. McLovin's birthday. It is. No, well, McLovin's not here. Chris is right on that. But also Stargate Pioneer is away this week. He was doing the right thing and having a little bit of family time. So for those of you who check us out live, you do know that we've been a little bit back and forth with some recording schedules and it uh, looks like uh, next week will be a couple hours earlier again next week. Um, but just uh, keep your eyes on Twitter and Facebook and all that because we try to tweet it out as soon as we know. And we're almost over that hurdle, but don't worry, it's summer, so I'm sure there'll be more hurdles. But in theory, we should be mostly consistent again in July. SP is not here today, as I said, which means that it's time for Chris and I to, again, talk about lots of Android stuff. Get Oh, I thought you meant take off our shirts. I'm for sorry. the audio listener, he was taking off his shirt. Uh, no, we're going to talk about lots of Android stuff. We're going to not talk about any Apple stuff. And we're going to only talk about GMC Sierras because he's now moved past the GMC Sierra. And so why not make it all about the GMC Sierra? We're doing none of these things. Okay, we will start with something that I was oblivious to until you guys actually messaged me about ironically on a Google service. Yes, we're talking about an outage that hit Google Yesterday, we're recording this on Monday, June the 3rd, and this outage did come on Sunday, June the 2nd. There was all sorts of Google services affected by this, Gmail, YouTube, and other services that rely on Google's cloud infrastructure were disrupted for more than four hours on Sunday. Uh, Google said this was due to, quote, high levels of network congestion, end quote. Some of the services that were affected by this included Apple iCloud, Snapchat, Nest, Discord, 
Vimeo, and of course, a bunch of other Google services like the Admin Console, Google Sync, G Suite, and other various things, including at one point, we were able to hang out message Chris Farrell and I together, but we were not able to send attachments to each other. The attachment function was not worried. So this did start around 3 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday and was completely resolved around 8 p.m. It was really interesting to see how many services were affected by this. I was out a lot yesterday, which meant I was not around the computer, but I'm confident in saying had I been near my computer, I would have had all sorts of problems. I would have at least encountered this somewhere. Chris Farrell, where did you first notice this? I was playing Pokemon Go and going raiding with some friends of mine, and it was about three o'clock when we tried to bring up the app at the uh, gym, and it just wouldn't load. So we sat there for about 20 minutes before Pokemon Go started to come back and work again. And then honestly, how I found out about it is I went on Twitter and looked up hashtag Pokemon Go, the latest tweets, and saw a guy that said something to the effect of, hmm, here's how plugged I am into Google's cloud services. I only know when they're having issues when I can't load Pokemon Go. And I went, Google's because of this? Damn you, Google, I have Pokemon to catch. That's really funny. Uh, I do want to say that if you're worried about this, because obviously there's a lot of companies that were affected like Apple iCloud and Snapchat, Google is on top of this because they're saying, quote, we will conduct an internal investigation of this issue and make appropriate improvements to our system to help prevent or minimize future recurrence. We will provide a detailed report of this incident once we have completed our internal investigation, end quote. A lot of lip service. <laughs> yeah, the, the, here's also the other problem we had that came out of this is there's a lot of clickbaity headlines that came out. And what do I mean by that? I was scrolling through my Google News feed on my lunch break today, and one of the articles that popped up was, due to Google outage, customers unable to turn on their AC or unlock their doors. And I was like, but that's not true. You can still do these things. You just can't do them remotely. So don't fall for the clickbait. Yes, it's an incredible pain in the butt when your smart home automation is not working or any of your other Google services, but don't act like you can't control your air conditioner anymore. You can still go up and manually adjust your nest, turn the temperature up and down, turn the AC off and on. You can still use your keys on your smart locks, open your door. All it means is the smart components are gone. And that clickbait headline really just annoyed the hell out of me because I'm like, that's not true. It's sort of true, but it's not true. And you're just doing that for clicks. And I refuse to click on it. And in fact, I think I tried to go in my Google news feed and told it to ignore all news stories from that website going forward because it was blatant, blatant <laughs> clickbait. Now, my doing that is going to do absolutely nothing to their future to impact them, but it certainly made me feel better. As we've mentioned a few times before in this very podcast, uh, we actually stream this live on Mondays to geeks.live and we've got a wonderful listener viewer audience member Albert Sims in the chat saying, I found about, uh, I found out about it watching the tech guy. See, there you go. I got it right the second time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have noticed. Don't use a whole lot of Google stuff on a regular basis. Now, I think that's a very interesting point that he hadn't seen that. But I, the thing is that there were other services that do use the Google Cloud infrastructure in, or, in order to operate that were affected as well. And I think it's important to remember that while we do see a lot of front-facing Google products, there is a whole server section, a cloud section of Google that the company Alphabet does have. And so those were sort of affected as well. Like I said, Snapchat being one. 
And Albert Sims, I know you're all about the Snapchat. I, you just must have been off during that time. Yeah, a running joke for anybody who, who doesn't check out the live thing. Albert Sims does use a flip phone, proudly uses a flip phone. And so uh, that's the inside joke. Now I had to explain the joke. And now that's not as funny. No, it's not as funny, but it's the nature of things nowadays. In this cloud-connected world we live in, be it through AWS, the Azure cloud, the Google cloud, things like that, there's going to occasionally be outages. You hope they don't last a long time. And it's a pain in the butt because things you want to work don't work properly. But hey, guess what, guys? We survived three hours of Google's cloud being unstable. Yes, Pokemon Go got disrupted for a little bit. It came back. Yes, my YouTube got disrupted. It came back. My Google Play movies got disrupted. It also back. Nothing here that we couldn't access this time was life-threatening or dangerous. You're not going to lose your life because you couldn't Snapchat something. You're not going to lose your life because you missed catching that Pokemon. It's inconvenient, but there was no loss of life that I've heard reported or anything like that. It's just services we use didn't work properly off and on for a few hours. I will say the most disappointing part of this for me and the better podcasting fans will know from the latest episode. Um, we lost a debut podcast that SP was going to be doing because SP said that he was going to start launching his bachelorette podcast yesterday. And because of the outage, he's not going to do it anymore. He tried to stream and went Damn down it, SP. I know. And now he, he's had to cancel his bachelorette podcast. So if you want to see him continue with that and get that up and going, please tweet at Stargate Pioneer say, please launch your Bachelorette podcast and uh, just just encourage him to. I know he's been waiting for a while. The people demand it. The people do demand it. All right, Chris, what do we got next in the news here? So you know what else people demand? They demand video games in their cars. What? So let's talk about Tesla again. We know that I have a fascination with Tesla vehicles. We know that I've dabbled with the thought of, hmm, should I buy a Tesla? Uh, spoiler alert, I decided no because it's not practical where I live and it's a boatload of money. But I do enjoy the little Easter eggs and things they throw in Teslas. For those that weren't aware, you can play a bunch of classic Atari games when your car is parked on the touchscreen right now. You can change your turn signal indicators so that it's a fart sound. There's all sorts of weird, funny things they put in there. But I guess Elon Musk was doing a podcast called Ride the Lightning and he did share on there Cuphead, we've got working, talking about the entertainment options available through the dash monitor on the Tesla Model 3 S and X cars. According to Musk, the developers have been helping us make it work. It's a cool game. It's insanely difficult by design. It's sadistically difficult, a twisted plot. It's dark. It looks like some cute Disney thing, but the plot is dark. So yes, developer studio MDHR has confirmed to IGN they are in fact working with Tesla to port the hit game to the Tesla dashboard. The studio has insisted the game has to be super, super clean before they'll be happy with it and the controls as precise as they are on PC or Xbox. So what does that mean? You're not playing this game on your touchscreen. What you're doing is you're taking a USB controller and you're plugging it in your Tesla when you're parked and then you'll be able to play you some Cuphead. It's an interesting way to be able to entertain yourself while your car might be charging a supercharger or while your wife ran into this grocery store to get something and you're just sitting out in the car. I like it. It's a cool Easter egg. Now, it, there is a drawback. These cars are not designed to play video games like this. They don't have the memory required to hold a whole bunch of games at once. Or in the case of Cuphead, Cuphead, excuse me, even the whole game, the Tesla version is only going to include Inkwell Island 1, the first world. And if you want to play something different, Cuphead or anything else they install later, 
you're going to have to swap them out and re-download them. Now, you do have a 4G modem on Tesla's that I don't know what you pay for. I think it's just a yearly subscription, like flat fee to be able to use it to download things and podcasts and the like. But yes, as of this summer, Tesla vehicles will allow you to play Cuphead while you're plugged in and charging. The key here is this is not something you can do while you're driving or while your car is on autopilot. You have to be parked. You have to be stationary. Same that you currently have with the Atari games. I think this is just a fun little Easter egg in addition. But if you haven't played Cuphead, it is a fantastic game. It's a side-scrolling 2D platformer, and it is incredibly hard. I have it on my Xbox. I want to buy it for the Switch just for portability purpose, but I refuse to do it. And it is all hand-drawn animation when they did it. That's why the game took so long to come out. They literally hand-drew everything to do their animation. What else is Cuphead available on? Xbox, Switch, PC. No mobile, hey? No mobile. That I guess is, technically your Tesla's mobile, so on a Tesla soon. That is an odd thing, because what I was thinking right now was like, okay, so Cuphead, why wouldn't we just use my damn mobile device, which I probably have on me, and I assumed it was on mobile. So that's weird that they would port it to Tesla, not to mobile, where the demographic would be significantly larger and likely easier to port to a mainstream OS like iOS or Android. My guess is you got a bit more horsepower on the Tesla processor. With the Tesla processor within your Dude, a modern they, phone? They, they've been installing like new processors and stuff. Think about the calculations and stuff it has to do for autopilot and things like that while you're driving. There's probably some pretty powerful stuff under the hood there. Or it's just one of these things Elon Musk is famous for. Hey, this is cool. I want this and throwing money at something. And that could be what it is. As he saw Cuphead played, this is awesome. I want it on Tesla. It's just like why there's Atari games on a Tesla and reached out to the studio and said, how do we make this happen? Regardless, I think it's a win for everyone. It's a win for Tesla consumers. It's a win for MDHR studios because they make, hey, we're the first game to come directly to Tesla vehicles now and stuff like that. I think it's fun. It's harmless and just entertaining to me. I still say WTF. Uh, I'm not I'm not sold on this idea, but hey, you, uh, you know what? It's probably, I think what you said, the Elon. The Elon doing his thing and pulling what he wants so that he can have something funky on his on his property. That's all it is here. It's and who how many people? Let's be honest. How many people are really going to play this? I imagine if you're parked at a supercharger, it'd be something fun to do. Well, let's be honest. You and I. We aren't the targets. We don't own Teslas. It's really you want to go on like the Tesla subreddit and see how fired up people are or on Twitter that people are replying to this because I'm sure Tesla owners and enthusiasts are going, oh, this is pretty cool. We get a free new game to play. <laughs> they might only play it once or twice because like I said, the game is ridiculously hard. After it kicks your ass for about 10 minutes, you'll just be like, hell with this and rage quit. The concept that somebody is buying a Tesla based off of having a game no, no, on is ludicrous I never to said me. They're buying a Tesla based off of this. I'm saying it's a nice bonus if you're buying one or if you currently have one. That it's even being considered as an incentive of some form, which is what, what they're doing. I don't know. It's That's, just ludicrous to me. I don't think me. they're incentivizing it. This is just continuing that weird Easter egg route. All right. Well... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sold on this, Chris Farrell. Not sold at all. Let's put it this way. If you're going to buy a Tesla because you can play Cuphead on it, you've got more money than God. <laughs> Kudos to you, good sirs who are doing this, or ma'ams. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to the next news point here. 
let's say farewell to something that I'm sure we've all used on this podcast. You haven't ever used this. Never. Never used oh, it, Steven. Wow. Never. And I'll never have the chance. Let me pretend I didn't do that segue, but I'm, I'm actually going <laughs> to leave it in so that it's really awkward. Well, let's talk like a it. little bit about something that some of us have used before. I bet almost everyone's probably used it. Probably everyone, some people would theorize. That's right. BlackBerry Messenger is no more. This is a bit of a follow-up to something we previously talked about, and that's the fact that BlackBerry Messenger was going away at the end of May 2019, and BlackBerry did follow through with this. Yes, the 31st of May 2019 was the last day for you to use BlackBerry Messenger. BlackBerry Messenger was a huge selling service for a lot of BlackBerry users. It worked pretty well. It was a pretty reliable messenger. And a lot of people did quite like this. And there was a lot of people who actually held on to the BlackBerry when the new smartphone era came, all because they did like BlackBerry Messenger. There was actually a point where once that sort of iOS change happened, because let's be honest, iPhone was the thing that, that broke BlackBerry's stronghold. Uh, there was a big demand to get BlackBerry Messenger on the Apple devices. And eventually that did come once BlackBerry had to try to find an alternative market stream because they were dying in their sales. BlackBerry Messenger did end up coming on to other devices. And now BlackBerry Messenger is no more. It was discontinued. But if you're like Chris Farrell and you're like, I feel like I'm missing out. You know, you got a little FOMO going on here. Guess what? There is, uh, Chris told me that he actually told me this offline that, you know, he feels like his life incomplete and it's on his bucket list to get to use it. Uh, Blackberry Messenger Enterprise is apparently a thing. I didn't actually know this because Blackberry Messenger Enterprise is available if you want to pay a subscription fee with it. It looks like it's going to be free to consumers for the first year, which afterwards there will be a six-month subscription fee of what I've been listed here on the CNET article as $249. That seems really low for a subscription service, so I won't be surprised if I see that go up because obviously they're wanting to charge for some reason. But yeah, apparently BlackBerry Messenger Enterprise is a thing. So instead of using the abbreviation Big Bowel Movement, I mean BBM, you can go ahead and say BBME. So uh, Big Never mind. We'll just leave that alone. Big bowel movement every day. <laughs> that too. That too. There you go, Chris Farrell. Thank you for finishing my joke that <laughs> I didn't welcome. finish writing. That's what I'm here for is these high flute and poo jokes. <laughs> that, that's my goal to help out with these. So if you want to check out the BBME, go ahead and look that up and then look up BlackBerry Messenger Enterprise after you look up the BBME. Uh, Chris Farrell, you didn't actually use BBM. I didn't realize that. I never had a BlackBerry. I had a Windows mobile device. Before I went and got my iPhone 3G, I think it was, or was it 3GS? I can't remember. But I had a Sprint Moto Q, I think it was, which ran Windows Mobile 6.5. You know, I actually had a BlackBerry. I had a couple of them. Uh, I had one of the old big wide ones, and then I had a Pearl at one point. And I still got irritated with BlackBerry Messenger. I think I had it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had it. But I, I tried not to use it because it was such a locked-in standard. Even though I knew lots of people that had Blackberries, I didn't like that concept. I did not like that at all. I want, I've always been someone who likes the multi-platform messengers. The biggest, you know, opposite 
to that that I ever used was iMessage for obvious reasons. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I always was trying to get people to use other ones that were available on multiple devices. And so, yeah, I, I did have it at one point. I actually remember installing that app on, I guess it was iOS when it came out, but I, I really never cared much for BlackBerry Messenger, but a lot of people did. Chris Farrell, you did not miss out. I will say that right now. You did not miss out. No, I didn't assume that I did. Everyone at work had Blackberries because that's what they gave out at work. People that were important enough for that. But thankfully, I was never important enough for an <laughs> issued cell phone. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some other important people and Disney, right? That's, that's correct. Let's talk about Disney. So unless you've been living under a rock, the big Disney news this past week has been the fact that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is opening. I think it is officially open now. They were doing their press and media preview this last week. And I wanted to mention just a couple of cool things that were there. The world seems super in-depth and engrossing. I really, really want to go out and do it. Only one of the rides is open right now, which is uh, the Smuggler's Run or something like that. I, I've screwed up the name. But basically, you get to fly the Millennium Falcon. The other one, Rise of the Resistance, opens later this summer. But it's Disney. They've committed to the bit. Everyone there pretends like they're in that galaxy uh, far, far away a long time ago and pretends that they're either they're sympathetic to the First Order or the Resistance, things like that. It's, by all accounts, an awesome experience to go to. And if you are someone who loves to cosplay as Jedis and things like that, I do have some sad news for you. Disney has said that if you want to roleplay as a member of the Resistance or First Order, or excuse me, cosplay as a member of the Resistance or First Order, you cannot be older than 14 years old. If you're older than 14 years old, you are not allowed to wear costumes, especially those that would look similar to Star Wars characters. Now you're probably hearing me say this going, oh, this feels like some kind of cruel First Order mandate. You wouldn't let me do it. This is, this does fall with longstanding Disney policy. There's an official rule that basically says, hey, you can't wear costumes that just like our staff would wear. Why would that be the case? Because it's kind of confusing. Do you really want random cosplayer dude X to show up as Han Solo, start flipping you the bird in background photos and you get cranky and blame Disney. It's not his fault. It's random dude who cosplayed as Han Solo and wanted to be an a-hole to everyone who's doing it. So from a safety standpoint and from a reputation standpoint, you kind of understand why Disney, but yeah, no cosplay. We've got a bunch of people here that are costumed to be like, they're in this universe. We can't have you do it either because it could become a safety issue. Now, I gave a simple example of just someone screwing up photos, but you could also have someone who would have malicious intent who would go in and guide people to do wrong things and rob them. Who knows? From a Disney standpoint, smart move. It is really kind of a bummer, though, for fans. Now, I'm sure they're probably going to do something every year or so that's some kind of cosplay day where they invite cosplayers out and things like that, but it's, it's a safety measure, guys. So I'm sorry to say if you're headed out to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, at Disneyland, it's not at Disney World and open yet, you are not able to wear your costume unless you can pass as under 14 years of age. And where it gets really fun is they actually do sell Jedi robes and costumes in the gift shops at Galaxy's Edge. So <laughs> there are probably some folks like, oh man, I really wanted to wear these things. If you look younger than 14, I guess you can. Yeah, I, I don't see a problem with this at all. I think that it's, it makes a lot of sense. Disney is known for their customer service. Like they they literally sell courses that are geared towards I'm pretty sure they do or they have a marketing somebody who sells essentially Disney customer service courses to organizations because they are so well known for that 
And that's because all of these character people that they have dressed up, their job is not just to be characters. Their job is also to be on the lookout to offer that customer service to people. It's why they're known as the friendliest place on earth, because they all these people who are actors are also doing a customer service role in order to make sure the park's clean, to make sure people get what they want, to break up, you know, uh, kids who are having tantrums, all this stuff. There's all these underlying things. And so if you got people coming in and almost posing as uh, as people who are essentially customer service agents and are doing jack all, it can create a really, really, really bad impression of Disney. So I completely see where they're coming from. And again, it just follows in line with some of the other things that we've seen with Disney in the past and and um, how with regular Disney costumes, you're not allowed to do that. So it's going to be the case with Star Wars. It makes total sense. Yes, you're not going to get that awesome picture that you really wanted where you're wearing your full cosplay and you're in what is a realistic Star Wars thing. But that's what a Snapchat filters for. You know, there'll be a Snapchat filter coming soon where you look like that or Photoshop or whatever, you know, enjoy the park when you're there and you're not in your cosplay. That's fine. Guess what? I also don't want to smell your sweaty, sweaty body underneath all of that either. I don't want that. So if this means that there's not hordes of people in hot, hot temperatures wearing freaking Jedi robes, sweat pouring off of them. Cool. Even better bonus. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. It really surprised me when I was at Universal a couple weeks back. The big thing there is Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade where you can live the Harry Potter life. And some of the things that they sell there are on top of the wands. You can get the school robes and you can get the school ties and things like that. And there are a lot of people that do cosplay as a student at Hogwarts, at Hogwarts excuse me, there. So it kind of surprised me as I read this Disney story. I kind of went, huh, I wonder why Universal doesn't have that same rule. Because when you're in Hogsmeade, all of the staff, especially up near Hogwarts, are dressed as students also. So I, maybe they had a badge on that now that I'm thinking about it. They could have had a separate badge, but you could have potentially had the same issue with people pretending to be staff at Universal. They found a way around it because I never had an issue where I thought I was talking to someone that wasn't staff. And maybe it's just because the only staff dressed as students are at Hogwarts Castle itself and not anywhere else. So it's not as big a problem. But you do have a boatload of people that are running around Universal, even outside of Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade, fully kitted out in their Hogwarts clothing. I think there's a demographic difference, too, and a expectation difference, too, between Disney and Universal. Like, Disney has always been known as really, really kid-friendly and also really, really um, trying to make the experience great. Universal is more of, like, Let's let's see movie stuff. And, you know, it's a little bit more traditional theme park. It's at least that's my memory of it from when I went way back when I was a kid. I don't know. It might have changed, but I, I I'm it is interesting that Universal is able to do it, but I'm really not surprised here with Disney. Disney does make sure they really want to make sure everything goes their way. Right. And like I said, I assume they'll do some kind of Star Wars day since they own the property once every couple of years or so where they invite people to come in and be in full costume because there are some ridiculously awesome photo opportunities from Galaxy's Edge, it looks like. If you haven't seen it yet, just go on YouTube and watch some of the videos of people building their own lightsabers or exploring Galaxy's Edge or doing the Millennium Falcon ride. It's crazy. It looks really good. good. Well, moving on to our extra extra here, let's talk briefly about how 
there is more updates that are kind of irrelevant to Chris Farrell and I, but also irrelevant to us because we are smart home users here, Chris Farrell and I. And we've in the past talked about how we do like to have smart devices in the way of thermostats. I just finally got into that this year. Chris Farrell's a couple years into that. And there is a new Ecobee that's been announced. There's right. There is a an Ecobee successor. So the successor to the uh, Ecobee 4. And it is going to have a home kit capability. Yes, the new Ecobee is going to have a new design. It's going to have home kit control and a lot more. There's going to be um, essentially voice control, of course, in there. And it just looks quite different. Uh, it, it, not quite different, but it does look a little bit more modern than the previous version. It's interesting to see this because Ecobee has kind of, I don't know, it's kind of kind of stale for a little bit as far as each generation. Like, you know, it did offer more, but there wasn't a lot different. And uh, I guess HomeKit must be taking off. I didn't think it was. But if this is another manufacturer putting the capability, it's interesting to me. I don't know if it's a matter of home. I don't know what's taking off anymore. I think everyone's just trying to touch and hook into every service that they can. Except for Nest, because they don't play nice with smart things, which is annoying. And mm-hmm. I haven't quite figured out why. That's why I've been looking at Ecobees personally, is because Ecobee will play nice with smart things as I work on transitioning over that way. Look, it's, an, it's a pretty looking update, but it's still the same thing you expect from a smart thermostat. You can program it from your phone. You can control it with your voice. The difference between Ecobee and Nest is Ecobee doesn't learn your schedule based off of seeing when you're around and not and flip it to different modes. If you want a smart thermostat, Ecobee and Nest, they're both great. Honeywell has some good stuff, but the features are all fairly comparable. I do believe that this Ecobee thermostat actually has Amazon voice services built into it, so you can use the A word to trigger it and control it or other things in your house. And I do believe it even included Spotify integration, so if you want Spotify on your thermostat, which I don't know why you would, but it's an option. You can do it now. (laughs) There's also going to be five gigahertz support now. Finally, yay! I'm. I'm. What, what, what well, does it matter for a thermostat? You know, I think it comes down to the whole congestion thing and the lag because there Again, are. There what are, does it matter for a thermostat? Who cares if it takes an extra three seconds to adjust my temperature on my thermostat? Uh, that's three three seconds of more coldness. <laughs> so, so why would why would you put a thermostat that doesn't have great bandwidth requirements on your five gigahertz channel where presumably all of your streaming devices are? And put more stuff there. Because I that's why. But this is the thing I don't <laughs> understand with things that like thermostats and simple smart home stuff. We're like, I need it on five gigahertz. Why? You don't need it on five gigahertz. In fact, 2.4 gigahertz is better for your house because you have more range at 2.4 gigahertz than you do 5 gigahertz. It's true. You know, any of the things that you're not worried about a slight lag, um, it's totally, totally better to be on 2.4 because of that. Yes, you're way more congested. Yes, there will likely be a little bit more lag, but the 2.4 does go further than 5. So if you don't need the speed, definitely uh, it's worth having it on 2.4. So, you know... 5 gigahertz is them just throwing something in there to be like, here's another reason to upgrade. There's really not a reason to upgrade. Like, if you have an Ecobee 3, there's absolutely no reason you need this current Ecobee. If you have a Nest 2, there's no reason you need a Nest 3. There's no great differentiating factor in any of these devices. 
And if someone tells me, oh, five gigahertz is the reason, I'm going to throw the BS flag because <laughs> it doesn't matter on a thermostat because it's not a high bandwidth device. All right, fine. You win this round, I just Chris Farrell. your parade. You win this That's round, right. Chris Farrell. That's right. <laughs> and lastly, in our extra, extra section here, let's, let's talk a little bit of Apple. We'll end with an Apple article for the show today because it was in honor of Stargate Pioneer. And it's the fact that Apple is improving tvOS a little bit further. If you're not familiar with it, tvOS is the version of the operating system that does run on Apple TVs, basically. It is, is that there. And one of the things that has kind of evolved out of that is the concept of Apple TV or with the TV app. There's a whole new Apple TV thing going on. We talked about it a little while ago. Is this really confusing? But yes, there's the Apple TV app as well. And apparently announced at WWDC 2019 is that tvOS 13 is going to support Xbox One and PlayStation 4 Dual Shock controllers. This was something that was announced at WWDC 2019. And I am curious how exactly this is working. Is this on Apple TVs or is this the TV app that will now see brought in? To PlayStations and Xbox. I'm completely confused. Yeah, this is on the Apple TV hardware. They're it basically is. setting it up so that with your Bluetooth controller, you can connect. So reasonably, cool. one could expect your Switch Pro controller would probably also connect at some point in time. Well, that's good because I was confused when I was looking into this here, but I did want to mention it because of the fact that um, it's nice to see them not completely only staying in their sandbox. And even if it was like, oh you know, better control on the app that's going to come out for PlayStation stuff. I was all for that. But, you know, even better now that it's going to be actually on Apple TV hardware. They have to do this, though, because remember, what was it? The last event they did a couple months back, they started discussing their arcade feature that was going to be coming to Apple TV where you could pay X amount a month to unlock all sorts of different iOS games. Well, the remote control that comes with an Apple TV, you don't want to play a bunch of games on that. So we all assumed they'd be opening up the third-party controllers. And it just sort of makes sense. It's a simple Bluetooth controller, let's be honest. You can also set it up a Bluetooth controller so that it works with your PC. So it's roughly the same hardware. It makes sense they'd be able to do it here. I mean, the more interesting thing is they included a Microsoft product because there were a lot of people like, I don't know if Microsoft's going to get any play in that. They're going to get play. Come on. Uh, I will say this is going to come to tvOS 13, and if you're waiting for the date, we'll keep waiting, because of course, in usual Apple fashion, they did not say when that's going to be released. All we know... I'm shocked. Sometime this fall. That's all we know. As I, sorry, I had to end on the shot. I was sitting there, being nice, playing it up, uh, being happy for Apple for once, and then uh, Chris Farrell came in and had to poo on it a little bit, so then I brought me down, and I thought I would also also play into that. If you yourself are looking forward to any of these Apple TV updates, or you're like, no, I don't want to know any more about Apple TV because I prefer to use blank, please get in touch with us through any of the ways. You can go ahead and find us at Gonna Geek on Twitter. You can go to GunnaGeek.com, or best yet, I will say best yet, Come over to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. We've got a lot of fun conversation happening over there. A lot of geeky talk. A lot of people come in there lately, and it's a great community we've been building. Thank you to everybody who has been over there. It's been a lot of fun having all that geeky conversation. 
I will say this, that I have been largely using... Go ahead and find my answer to that at gunnageek.com slash discord. I'll go ahead and finish that sentence over on Gunnageek Discord and tell you what sort of streaming device I have been using. Chris Farrell, before we go, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote today? Just a friendly reminder, we do have a lot of other live content here on the Gunna Geek Network. So if you want to watch some live podcasts, head over to geeks.live. You can scroll down to the bottom of the page and there's a calendar of all of our live events. So please come on over and check out some of the other live content on the network. And I'll just go ahead right now and remind you that we do stream this live on Mondays at geeks.live. The time currently is not always consistent. Varies somewhere usually between 345. Just, just check that calendar. Yeah, between 345 and 545 uh, Pacific time on Mondays. But uh, again, as I said at the top of the show, we're almost through this hurdle and we'll hopefully be a little more consistent starting in July again. Stargate Pioneer, if you're watching this right now, we did miss you this week and we're hoping that all of the listeners who also missed you tweet you at Stargate Pioneer because it's important that SP knows that he's loved. Sometimes when he listens back to just Chris and I, he goes, oh, so much Android talk. I don't even, I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. I, I don't even know if I, if I can be on the show anymore. And then Chris and I have to say, no, 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 no. We, we need to talk about Apple. We need you. He's, when, he's just jealous he's not a Pixel buddy. It's true. And so we, we're hoping, if you're listening to this right now, SP, that you know that you're loved and that your listeners love you and miss you. SP, we love you. So, for episode 289 of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying heart, heart sign. I'm trying to make it, can't do it. It's kind of just turned into like a weird, like, I don't know, Ben Dem. I'm Chris Farrell and I say, SP, we love you. We'll see you back next week so you can talk about WWDC to your heart's content if you want. Or not at all, because it was really boring. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>Checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8 45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.